listening to The Tech Sphere, Sydney's freshest tech podcast, hosted by Harry and Andrew. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to The Tech Sphere. This is episode two. My name is Harry. And I am Andrew. And in today's episode, we'll be talking about the social media giant Facebook and their little privacy issues. We'll also be talking about Apple's new iPad and how Tesla has recalled many, many vehicles. All that more in one moment. Facebook, the thing that everyone loves to wake up to. Yeah, everyone. It, Facebook's been in the uh, in the news a lot recently, hasn't it? It has, yes, um, and for not so great reasons. Hey, yeah, as we did cover in our last episode or our first episode, um, we do have more information in this episode about it that will go more into depth on how it's affected people down um, under. Down under, yes. The land down under. So, let's kick off with it. Yes. So, Australia's Privacy Commissioner has launched an investigation to determine whether Facebook has breached Australia's Privacy Act. And that is quite a big thing yeah. if they have done so. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, so, the investigation was announced after the US social media giant revealed that up to one in 50 local users have had their personal information accessed by Cambridge Analytica. One um, in 50. One in 50. That's that a, is... That's a lot. That is a lot. To be exact, over, or not exact, but over 300,000 Australians, 300,000 are suspected to be affected by this scandal. So if you are worried, uh, we will cover some news that might be helpful to you. Um, and I would... I would definitely, in in cases, take some precautions, especially with what you share uh, with this social media company from now on, and perhaps even review what you've connected to it, what you shared already, and uh, any other personal information that you you feel would be, that you don't want getting out, basically. Yeah. So yes, starting Monday, so all 2.2 billion Facebook users that were affected will receive a notice in their in their feed tell okay it'll, it'll actually tell you that you've been affected and it will also give you the opportunity to shut off any individual apps or turn off any third party access to these apps completely so yes l- at least facebook is going in the right direction trying yes. to fix the problem and at least they're not completely denying it mm. um, but hey let's take a let's take a look at that number 2.2 billion Facebook users. That is an unbelievable amount of people who uh, got their information taken. And according to TechCrunch, after the US, the largest proportion of Facebook users affected by the data leakage uh, were in the Philippines and Indonesia, and then following by the uh, by the UK. Yes. So so okay. So apparently there were six hundred thirty-two thousand. 350 users in America were affected. And then in the Philippines, not as many. It was only 1,175,870 people. In Indonesia, there was 1,096,666 people. In the UK, 1,079,031 people. And then, yeah, and then there's little old Australia, 311,100 and 27 people. 
And who knows? There might even be more people affected yeah. than what they've than what they've said. There may be. And uh, not too recently, well, actually, pretty recently. Yeah. The Australian Information Commissioner said uh, the investigation will consider whether Facebook has breached the Privacy Act 1988. Um, given the global nature of this matter, the OAIC will confer the regulatory authorities internationally. So there is quite a big investigation going on mm. um, regarding laws, regarding people, privacy acts, and all sorts of other mumble-jumble. Yeah, so like we said, um, Monday, which is today, um, you'll be able to see if you've been affected through Facebook um, there will possibly be a notification. Oh, yeah. Mo- most most definitely yeah. Facebook's going to make sure there's a notification. Yeah, most definitely. So keep an eye out. You probably have already seen it. You probably already checked it out. If yep. you haven't, do so. It is quite important. Yep. Um, I don't know many people who don't use Facebook. It's definitely something that you should be worried about and you should be on top of because it is your information, not theirs. Okay, on to a lighter note. Apple has announced a new iPad. The Apple gods have announced a new iPad. (laughs) So, as we all know, they usually host their Apple events in California. However, Apple has decided to take their event to Chicago and make its spring announcements Mm. more education-based. Which is rather interesting, taking one for the schools. So, what they've done is they've... What the, the main part of the thing was the announcement of their new iPad. So they're going to release a new 9.7-inch uh, iPad. Um, yes, so it's going to have the, the new A10 chip. Nice. Processor. That's, uh, hopefully lasts for a while. Um, it's going to have an 8-megapixel camera, 10-hour battery, assuming Apple yeah. be a little generous with their hour count. <laughs> we all know what happened in the past year or so about that, didn't we? Mm. <laughs> yes, so that, that'll be, that 10-hour count will be accurate for a year, and then it will go down because your iPad is slow and old. That's it. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> um, so, yes, the, the Apple Pencil, they'll be having support for this one. So, you know, if you feel like using something other than your finger, you can now. Yeah. And so all this will be coming in at a very nice cost of $329 US. So that's about $428 Australian. And if you're a student, well, I, I would assume if you're a student, but for schools, you'd be able to get this cost, this, this iPad at the nice cost of $299 or that is $389 Australian. That would be nice. A nice touch for students. Yeah. So hopefully students, not just schools, will be able to benefit from that. Yeah. I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure now Apple does offer a uh, 10% discount Ooh. if you are a student. But I'm not too sure on that. Don't take, don't take my words for, uh, yes. for facts. Um, so yes, the other things that they have announced. So teachers, as, as I said, this is all very education-based. So teachers will now be able to use smart annotations to on, on pages documents. So for example, um, if you okay, if you're a teacher, you, you're marking someone's work. You can put a little, you know, you can cross out a word, or you, or you can do whatever. And if you actually want to add extra stuff into the document the annotations will actually follow the thing you, you 
drew it around. Oh, wow. Yeah. That would Rather than just handy. like staying in place and you have to change it every time you put more words in. There were a couple of other things, but that was all that was really interesting. So yeah, we'll move on. So next up is a bit of Tesla news. So Tesla has been in a lot of a lot of bother recently. So the latest thing to hit the news was that they've actually had to recall 125,000 Model S vehicles that were built before April of 2016. Oh, so uh not not the current generation, but the previous no, one. No, it's all voluntary, so you don't have to do it if you don't want to. Uh, as I said, it, it's affecting all Model S cars built before April 2016. Um, and so what's happened is there's actually been some power steering issues. So Tesla emailed everyone who's got the effect, or all the uh, Tesla owners, and they said that they've observed they've observed excessive concern in the power steering bolts and so it's most prevalent in the cooler climates where road salt is used which is uh, a massive yes a massive problem amongst uh, those countries and pretty much buying a second-hand car in those countries as far as i'm aware is well the number one thing to check for is rust mm. so that is something to get checked out if you do have a tesla um, if you're in Australia and have a Tesla, that's probably something you shouldn't worry about too much. But hey, it's a recall. We, we, we like the hot temperatures, so exactly. we're fine. We're, we're pretty fine. It's mainly Europe. Mainly Europe, yes. But hey, it doesn't mean you shouldn't go and check anyway. Yes. It might be worth, who knows. But yes, so Tesla has said that you don't need to stop driving and it's only really a problem if you've experienced power steering issues. So basically what's happening is the um, the bolts on the power steering system, um, yeah, is in, in colder climates where they do use salt, is uh, prone to excessive corrosion, uh, which is never good for metal. And if the bolts do fail, Tesla has said that the driver is still able to, st- to steer the car but increased force is required due to lost or reduction of power assist, which makes sense. So it's not fatal. Um, it's not nice to have either, but it's it's not something that's going to be a life and death situation. Okay, so the next thing that is on the Tesla list of problems is if you may remember back to March 23rd, there was a fatal crash of yes. one of the Tesla Model X cars. So what happened is, for those who don't remember, there were, one of the Tesla cars collided with a highway barrier near the town of Mountain View in California. Yeah, that was quite a major accident there. So the driver, a 38-year-old man, Wei Huang, and who was also an engineer for Apple, he died, unfortunately, in hospital. That's, However, that's sad. Tesla has actually released in a, in a blog post that the car was in autopilot mode and that the driver had actually ignored several warnings from the car saying that, uh, that it was going to collide with something. So this, yeah, this can be an issue. If, if you see a warning on a car that, mm. it, yes, it drives by itself, but this technology isn't perfected yet, you, uh, you definitely should... Be the human that Don't you are. Don't sleep. Don't sleep. Abs- oh, never ever sleep. That is, that is absolutely probably the worst thing that you can do in a car while being in control or not in control, but yeah, you know, in the driver's seat. Um, 
Right, so he, yes, yeah, so he ignored several, not not only one or two, several warnings, which I imagine in a Tesla would be to place your hands on the wheel. Yes. Um, possibly tap the brake mm-hmm. or tap the accelerator to let the system know that you're still there. I've, I've definitely noticed uh, that this technology can fail quite easily, especially when road conditions do worsen. Obviously, without saying, if you're going to drive in one of these cars... Always keep your eyes on the road. Always have you know, both hands on the steering wheel. Don't don't be that person who you know makes a cup of tea, as you said. And <laughs> don't be that person. Don't be that person. Be safe on the roads. Always. Ooh. Yeah. Discussion time. We always love a good discussion here at uh, the Texphere, and uh, this time it is steps on improving your home Wi-Fi. Ooh. And let's make note that this is not about wrapping tinfoil <laughs> around your antennas like they say on these uh, articles you find on the so-called internet. No, this is actual solutions that will, we won't say definitely increase, but it should hopefully. It should hopefully. It should you, hopefully help. Yes. So obviously, you know, if you, if you haven't done anything since you hooked up internet to you know, you've got your Optus router or your Telstra router, whoever it is, we're not going to point any overly big fingers towards any particular country. <laughs> not at all, not at all. But no. we know who, everyone knows who we're talking yes. about. <laughs> um, so yes, you know, you've got the, the router that they provide you with, your ISP, is generally not that good. No, and I've definitely had first-hand experience with that. You'll have pretty good speeds in the first five meters, and then after that, it drops off significantly. Yep, and um, that's a bad thing, especially when you're in a toilet. Yeah. You want to have that good Wi-Fi. Yeah. Andrew, what would you say when you, are the f- when, when you first think of ways to try and improve your Wi-Fi, what do you do? Well, if it's in terms of range, the first thing I would probably go out and buy um, is a Wi-Fi extender. Oh, well, okay. So the thing with those things is they're not very good. Like, they're good, but they're not. What people generally try and do... So you'll... Okay, let's say you have a really big house. You have, a house, you have the router at the front of the house, and then, for the, you know, for the first half of the house, pretty good signal, but then it drops off. So what people will do, they'll put one of the extenders in the middle of the house, which then provides coverage for the rest of the house. However, they're getting the really terrible signal being sent to the extender and then the extender will then extend that and then make an even worse signal. So by the time you're all the way at the back of the house, yes, you may technically have a really strong signal. It's going to be really slow and you're not going to be able to poo. That is something that I do not want to live with. No. No. So so what you're saying is with a Wi-Fi extender, it will... You will have a great connection. Yes. But the actual signal coming from it will be absolutely terrible. Yes. Because... Essentially, you're taking something that's bad and making and it worse. It further. Okay. Yeah. I think the best, one of the best solutions are there's a technology that you may have heard about called a Wi-Fi mesh. Wi-Fi mesh? Kind of thing. Do you just put a net around your house? <laughs> of course. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> so what it actually does, so there's, in particular, there's a product called Google Wi-Fi. So how traditional networks work, they rely on small numbers of wired or wireless access points to connect users. However, with the wireless mesh network, 
the network connections are spread across dozens or hundreds of wireless nodes, mesh nodes, that talk to each other to share the network connection across a larger area. Okay. What you'll actually do is you'll physically connect one of the devices, one of the little stations that you'll buy into your uh, router, and then it will create its own Wi-Fi network. Right. So essentially you're... Well, would this be similar to a Wi-Fi router, replacing your Wi-Fi router with a better one? It is. That is is another way. However, what it does, it will... Instead of it being multiple access points, it'll be one network. Ah, okay. So it's a second. It's almost a secondary network. What you'd do is you'd actually, you know, you'd turn off all your ISPs internet, right? And you would let this device, the Google Wi-Fi or whichever device you use, would handle it to do all the internet. I see. I see. Okay. Um, yeah, I see how that works, and and that will not only well, improve your connection but improve this, the quality of the signal mm. so um, yeah and, and you were saying to me beforehand that uh, um, you replaced uh, the IS, ISP's router with a another one from Ubiquity okay Ubiquity. so that's right the thing with okay so this is why for most users I would recommend Google Wi-Fi because it's a simple you plug it in and you, you go through a couple of settings and you're all set with Ubiquity, it does require the infrastructure. Right. So you're going so to need some extra. It is more, it, it's enterprise grade equipment at consumer level prices. So look, how, okay. So essentially what you need to do is you need to have a LAN port in each room that you intend to have one of their access points in. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. So it would it just essentially, it's, it's really good. However, yeah, you need to have the LAN, which can be a bit difficult for people who are in older houses. Yeah, or renting even. However, if you don't want to go into, the, if you don't want to spend lots of money, because these things can be expensive. Like I know the Google Wi-Fi is, well, I think it's almost four hundred dollars. Oh wow! At okay. JB Hi-Fi right, in Australia. Yeah. So if you don't want to, which is you know understandable, not everyone has that kind of money to spend frivolously on something like this. What you can do is you can actually improve your signal by changing the Wi-Fi channel that it gets sent out on. So most routers by default will send off their signal, their Wi-Fi signal at channel one. So that means, you know, if you've got five houses in the, in the street, everyone's going to be by default will most likely be set to channel one. So all the signals will interfere with each other. So it's like a crowded room where everyone's screaming at each other and you can't hear anything. Exactly. <laughs> so the best thing to do is you can go into your your router settings, usually under the Wi-Fi channel tab. It's different with every, with every router, but what you can do is you can change it. And there are actually apps on your phone or on your, your tablets, whatever you've got, that you can actually use to detect the best signal, the, the best the best channel for your your living condition yes yes and i've i've uh, downloaded one of those apps not too long ago and had a look shows you um the spectrum of yes. the entire frequency and you can see what if you look at 2.4 gigahertz my gosh what a minefield that is <laughs> um so yeah you can it definitely helps you out you can pick and choose what sort of uh, frequencies that you want to stick to for not only better signal quality, but less interference, less less dropouts, which we absolutely hate. 
Um, yeah, so we'll don't know the names of it, but if you just search up for uh, Wi-Fi Spectrum Analyzer or whatnot, there's bound to be quite a few out there that you can that you can use. Okay, so who knows? Okay, do you know D D Brand, Andrew? I absolutely know D Brand. Um, where have I heard them? Who has who has not heard D Brand? Honestly, yeah. I think every single tech channel on YouTube has sponsored or talked about dbrand in one form or another. And if you haven't heard of it from them, are you really into tech? Yes. <laughs> so, okay. So, for those who don't know, dbrand is an American company that makes skins, just bits of... Plastic. Yeah, plastic. Not not actual skins. No. Um, <laughs> they, they take human skin, wrap it. <laughs> that would be a one expensive case, wouldn't it? So what they are okay, so they do that they make nice looking skins to pr- to protect your the back of your phone and the front from just the kind of everyday scuffs and all that kind of stuff. However, a lot of people have wanted a case and that is what um Dbrand has done. So over the end of last year, beginning of this, they went on Indiegogo and created a you know, fund me project. Uh, and they raised quite a lot of money they they raised one million one hundred and fifty two thousand and six us dollars wow yeah what was their goal uh you'll you'll love this (laughs) their goal was one dollar oh okay they're just so confident yeah. I mean, okay, so they would, I think they were already in production phase. So they already knew what it was. They already, okay. And we, they already knew that there was, a, that there was a need. Yeah, especially if people have been asking for it. Yeah. So they, and as you may have noticed, leading up to the conclusion of Dbrand's campaign, they were actually advertising a lot on different tech channels like Unbox Therapy, Linus Tech Tips, or other names, of course. And they were claiming it to be the grippiest phone case in the world the grippiest phone case in the world that is a bold claim it is and actually it was one day after on the tuesday after the um first episode of this podcast i mine arrived and i've been using it since i really like it it's 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 a nice case it looks really slim it's made from a really rubbery rubber substance yeah definitely and it's it's a nice rubber because it's grippy yes. um to the touch but it doesn't actually attract um dust, lots of dust or, or, or anything or little yeah. specks which which is something i definitely hate when it comes to silicon or rubber mm. uh, cases of, of any sort so that's great my thoughts on the case is it's really good it, it is very grippy however it is not as grippy as they were saying it to be obviously you if you've seen their ads, they're saying that you're, being, you're essentially able to pretty much vertically just put it on a piece of glass and it will raise it all the way vertically and it will not fall off. Obviously, it does not because that's an ad and they've obviously used something. Super glue. Super, super glue. But, you know, <laughs> it's pretty good. And we did a little demonstration earlier to ourselves. Um, yeah, we put it on a pane of glass and... Raised it to probably just above 45 degrees. Yes. Um, and yeah, it, it started sliding. But but in saying that, it is a nice case. Yes, and it looks very nice. It's very... It, so it, it doesn't protect your, the front or the back of your phone. It just protects the perimeter of your actual phone. However, you, do not despair. You'll be fine because 
there is a lip on the edges of the phones. Your your phone's screen will not actually touch the table and it will not actually touch the camera or on the back or anything like that. So if it hits the table, you will not get any scratches. You're fine. I, I think more more case manufacturers should do that. Yes, definitely. Because, hey, I mean, you have a case, but if it's going to hit a flat surface, it's going to... You, well, you kind of want it to not hit the uh, actual phone surface. So, ha- so having yeah, having it raised is quite, is quite nice and quite handy, just to give that extra bit of protection. And as you may, one of the big problems with cases these days is that you won't actually be able to use your headphones. You know, particularly if, you, if you've got studio grade headphones, your big, bulky headphones where they've got the bigger jacks on them. You, most of the time, you can't use headphones well, you with, see. with your phone cases. However, they've actually provided a head, their own custom-made headphone adapter. Custom-made headphone adapter. Yes. That's a lovely inclusion. Within the, the uh, thing. So it comes with it. And yeah, you can safely know that you, you don't have to replace your $500 pair of headphones that you've bought. But okay, over, overall, I have to say that I like the case. It looks and feels very good. Yes, while technically it is not as grippy as they claimed it to be, I wasn't expecting it to. As I said, it looks very nice. And it's it for Australia, at least, it's a bit pricey because everything is pricey because, you know... Because Australia. It's a, it, the Australia tax, pretty much, what I like to call it. But <laughs> if, you know, if you want to have a really nice case, I can definitely recommend it to you. Yeah, and uh, and coupled with the, uh, it's a wood grain skin you got there, hasn't it? Uh, okay, so so it come. What, what it'll also ship with, I would assume. I know with um, when we were well, when I backed it back in the at the end of the year, they actually allowed you to couple it with a your own choice of skin. So mine got sent with a matte black finish. Uh-huh. However, I already had their new dragon scale. Dra- Ooh, I know. Scale. So nice. if you actually have a look, if you actually, oh, wow. it's actually like a that really is- cool skin that they've got on the back. That yeah, it's got quite a nice pattern. To yeah, it well. and so they've also released um, their new black camo skin. Oh, camo! Ooh, I yeah. Like oh, oh, I'm a big fan of camo. <laughs> so yeah, you. In they say in theory, well, not in theory. In practicality, you can use any of their old skins with this case. However, they do suggest that you use the skin that comes with your phone. However, the one I got, I've got, isn't, and it's fine. Okay, that's fine. The skin's actually quite. It gives it gives you a bit of extra grip. Mm. Well, I know. If, I, I know. I, I've got the um, S8 Plus. And yeah, so the back is made of glass, so it's fingerprint magnet mm. and very, very slippy. So yeah. having a nice skin by D brand, of course, not sponsored <laughs> unless you want to. Please sponsor us. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, okay, very good. Overall, thumbs up. Thumbs up. That's good. As long as you don't mind paying a bit, because yeah. hashtag Australia. But everywhere else should be fine. But yeah, thumbs up. I do approve. I'm a bit of a petrol head, as, as people who know me would know. Um, this this may or may not be a bit of a biased discussion, but we all know that um, as cars get more modern, more futuristic, um, the more they get jam-packed with uh, technology, which, which, hey, I love. 
because technology, you know. Yeah. Um, but I do think there is an issue. So majority of cars these days come out with all sorts of driver's assist, um, such as lane guidance, which mm-hmm. is awesome. It'll, it'll help you stay in your lane. Autopilot? Autopilot, yes, as Tesla and actually many other companies yeah. are starting to integrate. And they got active cruise control. Auto reverse parking? Automatic headlights, automatic wipers. I mean, they've been there for, yeah, yeah. for a long time. So that's that's not too really much of a worry, but yeah. So basically, when it comes around um, cars who do have automatic parking, automatic lane assist, um, as well as active cruise control, which will keep a certain distance from a car in front of you, which is good because it's safe. Um, we do know in uh, any emergency situations, you want to have a good good distance between them. Um, but yeah, sort of when you have these driver assists that come in play and come to the mainstream market, it it kind of takes away from people's skill, mm. um, which which when it comes to driving, skill is skill and attention is pretty much almost life and death. Yeah, definitely. All sorts of road road conditions, rain, weather, nighttime. Not to mention the many variables that you have with all the other drivers around you, um, as well as pedestrians. Mm. And uh, in Australia, we not not too great on our roads. Let's let's say that. Yes. So apparently, according to the Transport of New South Wales, we've had 102 deaths this year alone, and six in April. Wow. S- simple driver aids like this, I think, so- sort of takes away. Um, from from people's driving skills, not to say that everyone everyone is a bad driver out there just because of these of these driver aids. Absolutely not. But there's there's definitely been many cases where, uh, especially using all these automated features, you you sort of forget them. Yeah, <laughs> you sort of forget how to use them. You forget how to Let's take, for example, reverse parking. Many many people hate doing that. Oh yeah, <laughs> um, and I witness it many times, many times a day. People struggling with reverse parking. So obviously, the addition of automatic reverse parking is welcomed and is like a lifesaver in some cases, mm. <laughs> quite, quite literally. Well, yeah, if you you know if you have like a really expensive technology driven car, and then you know you you smash it up, yeah, and then you know you have to go back to a car that doesn't have all that kind exactly. of stuff. You you. You, you know, you won't know what to do. What are you going to do? They're going to think it's uh, you're going to think it's a Tesla Model X um, who can drive completely on its own. Yeah. So the future of cars, who knows where it's going to go? I think I think it's going to be. What are your thoughts on uh, self-driving cars? I think it would be nice it, to have all that kind be. of stuff. Or you yeah. know, the essentially you being able to just sit in a car. And just say, you know, go to the airport, go to the shops, go to wherever. One thing that I've always been told by people is that driving is is a way to just relieve stress. Yeah. So not not having that that, that form of, you know, coping, that coping method of driving may make people more stressed. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I I know for me personally, I many times a week which is probably unfortunately <laughs> I I go out on late night drives just to uh just to relax, listen to music, explore the world a little. Um yeah. But I mean I I do welcome 
the idea of self-driving cars because mm. it, it will be a definite huge convenience yeah um for self-driving cars not only will there be when when technology gets better obviously not only will be less accidents um traffic flow would probably be better well yes we won't have yeah. as many accidents yeah so but i, won't I ma- think with these kind of things it's an eventuality yeah, yeah. it's gonna happen and i think Yes, while it may mean that... Okay, okay another thing that to, to bring up on that is it will actually... You will be seeing a, a large amount of jobs lost as well. Yes. You know, the, the, the taxi industry, chauffeurs, bus drivers, and all that kind of stuff. When, Absolutely. When it's being replaced, there's going to be a large amount. But mm-hmm. I think, yes, we're going to see a large... We may see a large amount of job loss and all that yeah. kind of stuff and recreational driving decrease. Yeah. But I, it's an inevitability. It's an inevitability, absolutely. It's, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Yeah. But hey, I mean, having a cup of coffee, making your cup of coffee on the way to work, yes. that sounds all right. Yeah. <laughs> Our final topic for today, we're going to be talking about something a bit different from what we've been talking about before, but the topic of mirrorless cameras versus DSLRs. The big hated debate in the world of photography. So what's the difference? So there's two types of cameras. As I said, mirrorless, which is a re- relatively new type of camera, and DSLR. So DSLRs have, right, it has a little mirror that you can... We'll take the word SLR, which stands for single lens reflex. Um, basically, it's a system where what you see through the viewfinder is, is the real world. Mm. to say um it's the light that's coming through the lens hitting a mirror and going straight into your eye which is quite a bulky system in some cases yes uh, which is why mirrorless has come into play which so what it does is it actually removes the mirror and just directly shows yeah what so it's completely eliminating that sort of real world vision aspect um and replacing it with an electronic viewfinder so it's essentially, it's it's a smaller screen that you look into an eyepiece um, to see, and it's a, a digital replication of what the lens sees, which I I personally do like. Yeah. Well, okay. So I've got a um a Panasonic GH4, lovely thing, a lovely beautiful camera, particularly for video. But one of the one of the great um, advantages to having a camera like that is that okay so what you'll actually hear you may hear or what you will hear when you take a photo you'll hear a little click kind of thing so that's actually that's the mirror moving yeah so yeah. with the panasonic and all the other uh, full uh, all the other mirrorless cameras you won't actually hear that yeah and which is also welcoming especially uh in the world of event photography yes um, like weddings um, yeah, how how embarrassing would it be if you just yeah. nice silent room that someone is they're just about to say I do and then <laughs> yep you get that massive loud shutter sound and uh, yeah actually just yesterday I was shooting at a wedding and uh, we do video so there was photographers there as well um, and when it comes up to the ceremony when they're just about to say I do cameras start firing off oh my gosh was that loud. I bet. <laughs> Mind you, this was in the nice, quiet countryside where... Not, you I, don't hear a lot of things. Yeah, it, it really was quiet. Um, so definitely having a mirrorless would, would have helped. I mean, with, with mirrorless, you do have 
you still have the sound of a physical shutter. Mm. Um, but, but it's much quieter. Yeah, much, much quieter. Um, but the problem with mirrorless cameras is that they're very expensive. Yeah, very expensive. And when you For can, now, at least. Yeah, for now. Let's hope that goes down. <laughs> yeah. And another, probably a downside of it is um, battery life. Mm, yes. Which unfortunately is quite an important aspect, especially if you're a... Uh, a professional photographer mm. um, who, who relies on things that last. Yeah, and, there's, and because I know with um, Panasonic at least, um, the genuine batteries are really expensive. They, yeah, oh, batteries for, for cameras in general are mm. crazy expensive. Uh, I, I never realized until I had to buy a couple of spare batteries for my cameras. Mm. And it, it's really bad, like, when even the... Th- okay, I know with the Panasonic the third-party batteries, they're terrible. So you're kind of forced yeah. to buy <laughs> the genuine $130 batteries. $130? Yeah. Oh, my it's gosh. Pretty I bad. thought Sony was bad. Jeez. <laughs> so, Sony, uh, Sony battery, I think, $90 for the Ooh. mirrorless cameras, which is still quite a, quite a hole in your pocket. Yeah. And, you know, the, com- the manufacturers know they can do it because you have to do it. <laughs> yeah. It's their batteries. Yeah. You've you got to, you know, <laughs> you got to use it and nothing else. Yep. But, uh, yeah, no, my, yeah, when, when it comes to battery life, I'm pretty, well, not disappointed because I, I expected it, but it's, it'll be nice to pump a little, a little more juice out of it. Yes. Um, but in saying that it, it, it is a cost that comes with a smaller form factor and the fact that the camera is pretty well always on Yeah. when, when on that is, um, unlike a DSLR where if you're, if it's on, but you're not doing anything, it's just silently running in the back um however in mirrorless worlds you either have the the screen that's showing stuff or the viewfinder that's showing stuff so it's it's always having a having a screen on and the sensor is always collecting information yeah so, yeah but um a lot of people are if if you're a photographer and you're already unaware that a lot of people who have a canon system um have moved over to the uh, world of sony Mm. Which is a very popular move. Yes, and I've done myself. Mm, maybe not from Canon, from Nikon, <laughs> then to Canon briefly, then to Sony. <laughs> um, but it's it it makes a difference on your back, on on your wrist when you're holding a camera for a long long period of time. It, it, it definitely it's a nice welcome. Yeah, so that's the world of mirrorless versus DSLR. Let us know what um, if you're into photography. Yes, send us your photos. Yeah, we'd, we'd love to be able to tell people about you know people's photos. Yeah, give it you know so we can give you a shout out. You know what? Maybe we should we should run some features. Oh, hmm. Maybe that's some that'll be something coming in through radio. <laughs> through, through radio. Okay, yeah. Maybe <laughs> on our on our fresh Instagram page we'll. Uh, We'll run some 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 features for you guys. Cause did, did we just confirm that we're going to have a, an Instagram page? Oh, we just confirmed that oh. we're going to have an Instagram page. <laughs> Let's run yet another Instagram page. <laughs> I've got four. Not okay, not Instagram pages, but I've got four Facebook pages. It's four. Yeah, four. I got four Instagram accounts to. Uh, oh. Hashtag, take care of. <laughs> but no, we'll see where it goes. We'll. If this does become a thing, we'll let you know. Yes. And, uh, because, hey, we're photographers. We love photos. Yeah. 
we love being inspired as well and we love sharing things yeah and you know if you if anyone would like to come on the show yeah we would love to be able to talk about what you as a photographer or a videographer or whatever you do you know talk yeah. about what you do we exactly. can talk, yeah it's all about sharing experiences yeah that's what we're on planet earth for isn't it yeah It's been an interesting week, especially on the Facebook side of things. Um, don't forget that today you can check out your status um, if you've been if you've been uh, affected by the Facebook and slash Cambridge Analytica scandal. Yeah, yep. hopefully, hopefully, cross, knock on wood, no one, no one listening or no one that you know has been affected. Hopefully, yeah, not in a definitely, definitely not in a negative way. I know I will definitely be checking after. Oh, I'll be refreshing Facebook as much as possible, and, and that's kind of ironic. Hey, yeah, <laughs> maybe not. Um, yeah, all right. So, uh, well, that's yep. episode two, episode two. Hope everyone enjoyed. And once again, if you have a question, you can email. We would love to hear anything. We're gonna we're going to try and just build up a nice little cachet before we uh, we're answering people's questions. So, we did receive a couple last week and yeah we just want to make sure that we have enough so we can make a good enough segment but yes email the text for podcast at hobartmedia.com send it we will love you for it and yeah we always love to hear your questions what you think um what's going on through that mind of yours <laughs> not that in a, in a in a facebook creepy kind of way but uh yeah so i'm andrew and I'm Harry, and this was The Tech Sphere. And hope you have a great rest of the week. Yes, and we hope you uh, will listen to us next week. All right, until then, goodbye. Goodbye.